Hey, this is John Lee Dumas, the founder and host of Entrepreneurs on Fire. And if you're wanting to learn how to embrace change and navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, Dennis Giannoutsis. He's prepared to ignite. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Hey, welcome to the show, Leadership is Changing. What we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Leaders everywhere confront similar obstacles because people are people, but everywhere you go, leaders are overwhelmed, disrupted, and under pressure. They run from email to email, meeting to meeting. Many leaders are not changing quick enough, which means they run the risk of becoming irrelevant and being left behind. The purpose of the show is taking our listeners' leadership to another level by finding their balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. I believe we don't have enough effective leaders in the world today, and if we can get the leaders to step up and lead change, then they can inspire real change. Hey, listeners, it's now time to adapt in our fast-moving world, and I want to welcome you to today's episode. It's another mashup that I'm bringing to you, which is really quite cool, because we've been going for about 10 months now, and we've had tremendous support for the show, and we're going to bring to you a little bit of a mashup. But before I go there, if you haven't already checked out episode 00, that's the very first episode I did as a part of an introduction to the Leadership is Changing podcast when we launched, go ahead and check that out. If you haven't already checked out the Facebook group or the LinkedIn page, Leadership is Changing, we have those set up and we'd love you to come along and join the community and share your thoughts and, and insights and so forth there. So go ahead and check out the Facebook group or the LinkedIn page, Leadership is Changing. Hey, this mashup is uh, four superb guests again, and we're uh, going to be asking them or listening to their question that I've asked them in relation to that the show is called Leadership is Changing. When I say that statement or the name of the show, the title, what does that mean to you? We've got Nick Cree, who's on episode 10. He's a digital marketing CEO kind of guy who uh, helps a lot of businesses and people around digital marketing. Lundy Jack is on episode 11. She's a global director for a business that helps business owners get very clear where they're going and getting underway, which is fantastic. Mark Reese Thomas, he's on episode 13. He's an employment lawyer and helps a lot of businesses and executives around change and transformation. And James Rosebush, he is for episode 16. He is the author of a few books, and he is also used to be an assistant to President Reagan years ago, and uh, he has a wonderful stories that he shares on episode 16. So they are my guests for this mashup. Sit back, relax, take notes, and enjoy. If I was to say to you, leadership is changing, well, what does that mean for you? Well, today, what an interesting time to um, <laughs> to be thinking about, uh, you know, what leadership is today. I mean, here we are in a world that has gone absolutely nuts, uh, you know, whether we like it or not, whether we think it's a good thing or a bad thing. You know, here we are locked away in homes. I think it's a bit better for you guys in New Zealand at the moment because uh, you're out of lockdown. You just can't leave and come into the country. 
But in such a short space of time, the leaders of our world have, have shut down businesses, they've shut down economies, they've shut down the borders, they've sent everybody home and they've enforced that. I mean, I'm someone who's worked from home uh, with my uh, web development business for the past 11 years, but even I'm getting stir crazy uh, at home. But have to think, you know, so how do these decisions get made? Who's actually in charge? And what's more, uh, what astounded me was the uh, the number of people, the population that just consented to the decisions and just followed along. Uh, and, and look, I'm not saying that, uh, you know, they should do that or shouldn't do that. It was just an observation about, you know, how all this uh, came about. So what that's what that says to me is that uh, we've got a, a lot of our society and, and, and even business owners uh, and, and business leaders are people that tend to accept the status quo and accept, accept what authority says. And I didn't hear too much questioning about it, apart from some rants and things that are on uh, Facebook and social media, but not a lot of engaged discussion about, uh, you know, where we could be going or where we, where we should be going. There are leaders out there who are sort of out front. So, um, uh, so Jacinta Ahern, for instance, she, she, she's someone that's a visible leader that's out front and I think doing some, some good things as well. But who, who else is actually leading in there? Who, who else have we got in there? that uh, has a voice as well. Where, where is the debate? And I think Rowan Atkinson really sums it up the best. Uh, he, did, he had a uh, lecture at, uh, um, uh, in somewhere in England, I think it was a school in England, and it happened to be about, was it racism? Oh, it was, I can't remember the context of it, but it was all about the fact that people were, were or political correctness, I think it was, people were told, told to be quiet. They had to toe the line. If they didn't, they were being politically uh, incorrect. And then there's a whole discussion about censoring media in terms of what, what people could say online and what people could say in the, in the newspapers and on, on uh, and Facebook. This is around the Cambridge Analytical time when Facebook had, had its problems. And look, there, there's definitely some, some bad stuff that was said and not great stuff that were, that was said there. But his point was, is you don't deal with that by uh, shutting down the conversation. You deal with it by having more dialogue and having more discussion. Now, some of the discussion is going to be quite polarising and you're going to violently disagree with it and not like it, but that's someone's point of view and that's their, their discussion. If you take away people's right to um, uh, express that view, then you're also taking away the, uh, the people's right on the other side of things to view an equally passionate view about things as well too. So leadership's changing. I think part of the change that we need to have is really to have people engage in discussion and engage in in dialogue, so that um, you know we're we're able to get one people thinking for themselves again, people making decisions that are based on their interpretation of uh, you know what's good for them and what's good for society, um, rather than just just you know accepting what's been given to them. And I think if we do that too, like in a workplace, we get far more engaged employees. Mm. We get people that are uh, more more than likely going to take their initiative. You're probably going to get a lot more mistakes, but out of those mistakes too, there are going to be a whole lot more learnings. And some of the best discoveries in the world have come out of people's mistakes. So I think, you know, not having that, we actually limit what we can do in business. But having leaders that, that allow that sort of discussion, allow the dialogue and, and really allow people to express themselves, I think is going to propel us forward a lot faster than people towing the line. Wow. Yeah, that's excellent. Yeah, good, good, good points there. 
great segue into the next question, which is when I use the name of the, the title of the show, Leadership is Changing, what does that mean for you? Well, it's funny you should ask it because, you know, last night I was sort of getting my thoughts together about your podcast and everything you're doing and the change that you're affecting. And the thing that kept on popping in my mind was the name of your podcast and leadership is changing. And I thought, wow, Dennis, uh, you know, you saw this a few months, maybe even a few years ago, is that you understood that leadership was changing. You saw the patterns, you saw that things were we're going in a direction that's going to change things. And you've literally hit the nail on the head. And last night when I was thinking about leadership that is changing, I thought, well, I think it's been changing for quite some while. I think it will keep on changing. And for me, the answer is in that. I don't think leadership is something that can be defined anymore. I don't think leadership is something that will be static anymore. I think leadership is becoming a non-textbook type of field of study which is becoming incredibly customized and very very personal and the reason why it's so personal and so customized is because we are changing I am changing you are changing and the more you change as a leader the more the people who look up to you will change with you your crowd will change with you and the more I change and evolve as an individual and the more I learn things in my life journey or if the more I learn things in my field of study, whatever, the more I'm relaying that to my ecosystem. So leadership is changing for me. It's becoming like a beehive. And the beehive has in there the, the workers and it has in there the, the different levels of authority and it has in there an entire ecosystem. And just like bees come from the flowers to pollinate it and then leave the hive and then come to the hive and pollinate it and leave the hive, that's the same way in which I see the leadership ecosystem. So no longer you can do it alone. No longer you can sit there on your throne as the king and queen and think you're going to do it without the help of the other bees who's going out into the world and then bringing the intelligence back and then taking intelligence from the hive and then taking it back into the world. So it's a whole process of pollination. And that makes me very excited about leadership because that means the word collaboration is finally starting to make sense to people. Hey, so when I say the uh, the name of the show is Leadership is Changing, and when I say that term or that statement or that title of the show, well, what does that mean for you? Dennis, I'm sitting here in, in Wellington, New Zealand in my home office because I'm still working from home coming out of COVID. And, you know, looking on my wall, I have a few things that inspire me, which um, I've captured over the years. And one of the statements on my wall is this. It says, today has immense purpose. And, you know, Dennis, I often stand in the shower in the morning and I declare that. I say that to myself, today has immense purpose. And why is that important? Well, when I enter the workplace or I meet a client, I'm running an executive planning day or whatever it might be, if I believe that today has immense purpose, it transforms what I bring to the table. Uh, last year, my wife and I were um, privileged to travel to India, and we met a fascinating guy who, who taught me about purpose. And his name was T. Raja. And I'll tell you briefly his story. He was a guy who had been in prison. He came out of prison and wanted to change his life, and he was, he was riding a rickshaw. That was his job. And he saw someone in the gutter who was dying, and he thought to himself, who is going to look after this guy and it, it dawned on him that he was the one asking the question because he was the one that should actually answer it 
And so he took this guy home and looked after him. You know, five years later, which is when we met him, he now has, get this, a thousand people whom he houses in a complex. He feeds them every single day, three meals a day. And when we were there, Dennis, people were dying around us. We actually saw people die. And he was showing love and, and care for them. But people were coming to the front door and literally dropping off bags of money. They had caught the purpose of his life and what he was doing. So leadership is changing. How is it changing? Well, I think that people are seeking purpose. And how does mm. it translate to being a leader in the workplace? I think this is a key point, Dennis. We've got to move away from engaging with people at a task level and we've got to transform to engaging with people at a purpose level. You see, when people know the underlying purpose for why they're doing something, then it shifts the task from their hands to their heart. Ah. And, and I believe, Dennis, if you can't define the purpose of what you're doing other than the money or ticking off the work plan or the strategic plan, well, you know what? It's time to pause and go deeper and ask that question of yourself until you get it. Because the people that you're leading will know for sure whether you're a person of purpose or a person of just getting the task done. Today has immense purpose. Is that that's the terminology that you see on the wall every day? That's the terminology. My my kids get sick of me saying that to them. <laughs> that's good, man. Uh, today has immense purpose. That's that's beautiful. That's a, that's a very strong quote or um, something you know, affirmation for for somebody to read and and but then bring it to life because mm. that's the key there mate right bring it to life and if you can go into meeting situations the way that you work with that immense purpose that's that's where it's important and so when you talk about purpose that's really quite interesting because people are looking for the purpose a lot of people don't know what their purpose is in life or they're not sure what they should be doing or if they're doing the right thing. In other words, they've gone along in a career, they've gone and studied, a bit like that, that what you said right up front, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And so their ladder is up against a wall. They climb up that ladder in their career and then they realize they're up against the wrong wall. They should have been on the other wall or a different wall. And so that purpose, I think, is you're so right in what you're saying, that that is strong, that mm. is yeah, and it gives sort of meaning about behind what you do rather than being checking spreadsheets, checking boxes off, just doing the day and things day in and day out because I don't know about you, but I think that's – for some people, they might turn them on and, and excite them, but it could be quite boring as well, right? I mean, Absolutely. you've got to have that purpose, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, and you know what? I really I really struggle when people say I, I go to work so that I can live. You know, if you're going to work just so to earn money to do something else you like, you got it all wrong. You know, we need to be people who go to work because we find our purpose in some way with the people around us and what we're doing. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And then then another thing with leadership too, I think based on what you're just saying there, Mark, is that if you can help others with their purpose as a leader and help them get where they want to go to because of their purpose, I think that's another responsibility we have as leaders. What, what do you think about that? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. So... James, the, the show here is um, called Leadership is Changing. When I, I say that statement, what does that mean for you? Leadership is changing for a lot of reasons, I think, because, I mean, you certainly have the standard ones of politics, tax policy, you know, where companies are driven by tax policy, they're driven by trade, 
agreements, right? So mm-hmm. you have, for example, right now, Volkswagen and, and Mercedes-Benz and General Motors, you know, big, they produce a lot of cars in China. What's going to happen? You know, they have to all figure this up. So um, I, I advise uh, a man who's the president of one of the major global companies, and he and he's also the CFO of this company. And he asked me recently to write a speech for him. And I, I said, if it's okay with you, I'm going to title it, The CFO Has a Soul. Nice. Okay, so you don't usually think of CFOs, right? They're just like numbers people, right? Mm-hmm. Well, today, a CFO has to be much more multifaceted. I think in the past, you could have an accounting degree and be a CFO, right? Today, you have to know not only numbers, but you have to be prescient. You, you have to be prophetic. You have to be, you have to be thinking, okay, what is going to affect not only next quarter or next year, but you have to think like 10 years out, 20 years out, what's going to be happening. And you have to understand markets as much as uh, numbers. So I think all these jobs are taking on many different facets. So if you, uh, if you're the, if you're the CEO He's the president of this company. If you're CEO of a company, you have to, and this is where there's a huge, 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 huge deficit. You have to be, you know, Reagan said they, they criticized him for being an actor, right? As if a, an, an actor couldn't become president, right? So it was just a way of demeaning him, right? Mm-hmm. So he said, I actually, he always knew how to turn, turn a phrase, right? So he said, I actually amazed that anyone could be filling this job if they weren't an actor. <laughs> Beautiful. Right? So yeah. uh, this is what I say about CEOs today. You know that only 23% of all business schools require an, of an MDA, MBA graduate to have studied public speaking. Now, I have to tell you this. Not just because I have this book and not just because I coach CEOs to, to speak. But I would say this. I, I would sit here and I would say to you, Dennis, that a course in public speaking is more important than a course in accounting. I totally agree. Totally I mean, agree. Think about it. Think about it. Look at all these CEOs. They can't even talk. L- look at look at Elon Musk, who I have huge, huge, huge admiration for. I mean, I want to drive a Tesla, right? So Elon Musk, he, he gets an SEC violation because he, he's smoking a joint and he calls up or he, he you know he he sends out a tweet, some ridiculous thing about his equity value of his company and he influences the stock price that the uh, fluctuation of his, the equity in his company. I mean, these people are there. They think because they make a lot of money, I guess, or they're in a powerful position that they don't have to be able to communicate. And boy, that's the biggest downfall when, when Mm -hmm. they figure out that they have to be able to speak, I think. So that's, that's one area I think where, there's a, a massive amount of change in evolution. Uh, I think certainly the whole global multilateral relations, I think you, you see, for example, look at the, the phenomenon of Davos. So all these global CEOs coming together, right, to address this. You have right now an evolution, I think, in impact and ESG where the marketplace isn't completely pivoted yet, but you have a lot of companies trying to lead the way in climate issues, sustainability, habitats, all this kind of thing. They're wrestling with this issue, and some of them have got it wrong. Some of them have it right. Some of them are think they're immune to it, and they want to know where the consumer is going. 
Certainly, and, and that's, that's sending a little bit of mixed messages. The media sends one kind of message, what, but you have, to, you have to think these things through for yourself. So I would say this, in summary, about the change of leadership. I would say that it is an almost lethal time to be a leader because you, you're so watched by not just the media, but stakeholders, shareholders, you know, they, they want to know what you're thinking at every moment and you have to be responsive to them in ways that you've never had to be responsive before. And uh, I, I think it's a tremendously serious time for, for leaders, but we also at the same time need more leaders who will stand up, be stand up characters and to lead, and I mean to lead by offering their own examples and their own authenticity and their own words that raise us up. People are afraid. You know, this is one more thing about Reagan, not to bore you with this, but one of the reasons Reagan was popular, was so popular. Well, I'll ask you this question. Do you know why Reagan, one of the reasons Reagan was so popular? And that was he told people that they were good. Mm-hmm. And I, I've seen this with, in myself. So I give a lot of speeches, right? And I've noticed that when I tell people that they're good and that they've done well and that they've worked hard and that, you know, these kinds of, they're, they're like, really? Do you really think so? Yes, I do. I like to tell my audiences before I start how much I admire them. Thank you for coming out tonight. Thank you for, for listening to me for a couple of minutes. You're good people. I, I want to support you. What can I do for you? So Reagan was like that. I watched him, right? He mm. loved his audiences. He loved his audience. And that's how he built a bridge to his audience. In my book, again, Winning Your Audience, I talk about how critical it is to build a bridge to your audience and tear down the fourth wall. The fourth wall is the resistance that you feel from your audience and the skepticism that they feel. Because before you start to speak, and 65% of all communication is nonverbal, by the way. Don't ever forget that. It's, It's your own consciousness of yourself and your own authenticity and how you view your material. So they come in, they're like, oh, I don't know. I might listen to her or not, you know, blah, blah, blah. I might fall asleep, might get on my phone. And I know because I've stood up in front of enough audiences and it's scary, but I'm telling you that you have to build a bridge to your audience. Now, one time I was talking to the great stage actress, Mary Martin, and, you know, many films, she's a very famous person, won't be recognized by younger people today, but you look her up. She's an amazing person. And uh, I said to her, we were standing on the South Lawn of the White House one day, and I said to her, oh, why do your audiences like you so much? And she threw her arms around me. That was fun, right? And she said, Jim, I was born in Texas and I was born loving people. Uh, And they loved me back. Never forget that. Never forget that. That's beautiful. I I was born loving people and they loved me back. Yeah. Okay. Now you see that uh, Reagan loved people. Everywhere he went, when we went to uh, in Ballyparine, his his hometown in uh, of his family background uh, in uh, Ireland, uh, all the people. It, this wasn't staged either. Gather round him. Let's have a pint together. Blah 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 blah. Why did they like Reagan? The media called him elite, rich, you know, which was a complete, absolute lie, and uh, grew up poorer than any of them. And uh, why did they like Reagan? You know why? Because he liked them. 
Yep. And they could yep. tell that. They could tell that. You yep. could always tell a phony, you know, an, an effete person, right? But they, they liked him. They liked him. So you know why? Because he liked them. Nice. Nice. You, you, people can see, you know, if you're not authentic, people can read you and they understand that you're not authentic. And so you're right. I mean, people need to, you need to love people. You need to love your audience. And it's not about you. It's about your audience. And so, which is really important. And uh, I love it how you talk about how you raise people up, how you actually, you know, admire them and, and do it, but do it in an authentic way, of course. Hey, listeners, I hope you really enjoyed that uh, mashup of those four superb guests of Nick Cree, Lundy Jack, Mark Chris Thomas, and James Rosebush. Hey, if you already haven't checked out the episode 00, that's the very first episode that I did, and actually the introduction to this podcast being launched, go ahead and check that out. And also check out the Facebook group and LinkedIn page, Leadership is Changing. Love to see you there. Join us on those different platforms. Hey, listeners, what we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Change is incredibly scary, especially with the unknown and unfamiliar territory. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing. Hey, look out for the episodes. Download them. Have a listen. Put a review and a rating. Feel free to share them with your friends, your family, your network. If there's any feedback you'd like to give me about the show, or if there's a question you have for me uh, when I interview my guests, or a question for the Ask Dennis Freestyle episode, send me an email on dennis at leadingchangepartners.com. Hey, listeners, thanks for tuning in. It's always great to be with you. Until next time, bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world. 